Hello, and welcome to the Stateside Madness Podcast, the one and only podcast of the official Madness American fan service. I'm Lori, along with my co-host Polly, here to bring you news, reviews, and deep dives into the nutty sound of the British pop band Madness. and welcome back to the Stateside Madness podcast, the podcast by American Madness fans for American Madness fans. This is Lori. And this is Polly. And uh, today we're talking all about Cahill Smith, Jazz Smash. That we are. And um, that would be point Point number one, anybody with the correct pronunciation of Cathal, Cathal, anybody who knows what we ought to be saying, please do make it a point to tell us. I had a, a friend who, who speaks Gaelic tell me it's, it's like Cathal. It's like the, the TH is in the throat, which is why he went by the name Carl growing up. So good let's call. Just, let's just call him Carl. Let's, let's do that. All right. So the song that we started off with, uh, you're wonderful. Now that was, it was a track that was supposed to have been on their 1999, was it 99? Wonderful um, album. And uh, it didn't make the cut, which is weird because that was the name of the album itself. But uh, written, of, of course, and sung by uh, Mr. Smith himself, Mr. Smash. So I thought that would be a good song to lead off with. How are you doing, Polly? We haven't really said hi yet. Hello. Hello. No, things are fine here in Maine and, and much like you folks in Chicago. We're just anxious for the end of winter, probably. Did you guys get a lot of snow? Uh, it's been remarkably uh, uh, uneventful year in that regard, but we've gotten a lot in the way of ice lately. I think we got your snow. Um, we we had something like two feet of accumulation, and there's supposed to be more snow tomorrow. I'm running out of places to shovel it. <laughs> so, 
So Cahill Joseph Patrick Smith was born January 14th, 1959 in Middlesex University Hospital in West London. He's the oldest of four children, old school Irish family. As a child, he went by the name Carl. And of course, though, we refer to him as the one and only Chaz Smash. It's a great stage name. I wonder how he came up with that stage name. Did he ever say? I don't think he did. I don't think I've ever read it anywhere. Yeah. Okay, I got to go off topic for a bit, but I just have to share this story with you. I think I might have mentioned this to you personally, Polly. So um, the shirt that I'm wearing right now, I'm wearing a Madness t-shirt. And uh, I had worn it. I'm a college professor. I teach at a community college here in Chicago. And we had um, an all-campus faculty meeting, and I had worn the shirt. And our college president took me aside. And he says, yeah, Madness. Where's Chaz Smash? Because Chaz Smash wasn't uh, is not on my shirt. And then I'm talking to the college president and come to find out that he is like a huge old school two-tone ska fan. And so we're just sitting there during the faculty development meeting. We're talking about, you know, Chaz Smash and Madness and the specials. And, and um, I just thought that that was so completely cool that my college president's like, yeah, Chaz Smash. He's almost, I think, as well known, if not better known, in some respects than Suggs. I, I, uh, yeah, I, I could probably see that, particularly in the hardcore, you know, fan community. Um, yeah, he's he's no shrinking violet. He's he's right up there. He's a uh, equal in terms of being a frontman. And now you know, Lori is a college professor, and why I'm doing the podcast is because I'm failing the class. I've got to do this for extra credit. Make sure you cite your sources, sir. <laughs> His father, Cahill Joseph Smith Sr., was in the oil business. And so the family moved around a lot. So they moved from Ireland to England. I, I guess eventually they ended up in the Middle East for a while. Uh, so he's probably the most well-traveled of the group. Uh, his parents apparently were Irish dancing champions. So perhaps that's where he gets some of his, his dance moves from. Um, although he said that he never really had much interest in dance himself until he started to perform uh, on stage. And uh, then after his, you know, formative growing up years, he becomes interested in music. Uh, he was recruited to play bass uh, when he was 17 for North London Invaders. We all know where that goes. Uh, so that would have been in 1976. Uh, that didn't last that long. He was replaced by Gavin Rogers at a certain point. But he did kind of continue to hang around with the band quite a bit, went where, the, where they went. And uh, when it was his opportunity, um, you know, he would jump up on the stage, dance with them. Uh, you know, he was, he was around waiting in the wings. And uh, you know, while he wasn't an official member of the band at that point, you know, he was, he was there and just kind of part of the crew. Uh, and uh, sometimes when he would jump up on stage, uh, they do the little headbutt dance. You probably have seen that. It appears on uh, a few different videos from that era. Um, and him and Chalky would kind of go at it, butt heads against each other. And it was said that when touring America, um, he was at the Whiskey A Go-Go, he thought about buying crash helmets to actually do the headbutt dance. Uh, that wouldn't have the, quite the allure or the class now, would it, if they had but gone and done that? He probably, I mean, man, can you imagine? They hit each other in the head pretty hard. So I would not be surprised if at some point they both ended up with concussions. 
I I think there's there's got to be a little history of brain damage somewhere in the band. Um, <laughs> Um, and of course, you know, what do we really all know uh, Chaz from, from that era? It is those seven little words. Hey, you, don't watch that. Watch this. This is the heavy, heavy monster sound. The Naziest sound around. So if you coming off the streets and you're beginning to feel the heat, well, listen, buster, you better start to move your feet. To the rockinest, rock steady beats of madness. One step Initially, Chaz started out as kind of their their bez, I guess, their their dancer and their hype man. But uh, eventually, he became a full-fledged member of the band. He took on occasional singing and songwriting duties for the band. And um, because he was a part of the band, he was not able to escape some of the controversy that surrounded the band. Um, I think we alluded to this in another episode. So there had been uh, a number of racist skinheads that had been uh, appearing at their concerts. And so they were doing a magazine interview and uh, well, Chaz actually got quoting him on this. Um, He had said about the interview later on, when you're 18, you're not particularly qualified, especially if you've not done university to be subtle with a journalist who has done university and is a master of words. There was an incident where she said, well, what about skinheads? And I tried to say, you can't judge a book by the cover and you can't judge people by the way they look. And of course, this kind of got all twisted around to, you know, madness supports racism, yada, 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 Um, which of course nothing could be further from the truth. But, you know, at at the age of 18, you know, he kind of didn't really know better. He kind of stepped in it. it. It's interesting though, because I think, Later on, I don't even know, this might have been lost on a lot of people. Uh, in the music video for Grey Day, uh, I don't know if anybody noticed, he actually has in makeup a, a six pointed star of David on his cheek. And I think that's almost him thumbing his nose at the skinheads. So uh, kind of getting the last laugh there, as it were. So that, uh, that whole incident with the uh, the newspaper, I'm sorry, the magazine interview that inspired him to write Don't Quote Me on That. And of course, another song that he wrote in the very early days of the band was called Solid Gone. <laughs> okay, boys, let's get a real solid gone. Shake it, Mr. Sister, too. I'm gonna make a bugger, bugger, gonna run Baby, and you know, hold you tight. Move on over, and I 
Watch this. That's the way to do it, honey. At this point, we've got uh, Carl is playing a number of instruments, including trumpet. Uh, he's writing songs for the band. Uh, he eventually co-wrote the band's most famous international hit, which was Our House, co-wrote it with Chris Foreman. And as you guys know, that was uh, 82. And, uh, you know, it, we, we've kind of outlined over the, la the course of the last few episodes of history but uh, after Mike Barson left the band in 1984, uh, Chaz kind of became the de facto band leader. He was really kind of the, the alpha of the group. All right, so moving along kind of chronologically, uh, we, we had mentioned previously that around this time, um, he and Suggs recorded Mutants in Mega City One as the Fink Brothers. Polly, should we listen to that one again? No, let's not. <laughs> okay. And uh, about that time as well, then, uh, around the 1986 breakup, uh, Chrissy Boy, Suggs, and Tomo then formed The Madness. Um, and uh, I'm sure many of you are familiar with the album. Uh, on there was Song in Red, and a uh, pretty touching song. It's uh, a song that Carl had wrote about a cousin who died at a very young age. And uh, we're, I think we're going to listen to a little bit of that now. Wow, that, that is such a beautiful, beautiful song. And, and wow, you know, just very, very personal too, very emotional. Um, I think a lot of his best songs really do share that kind of a quality where he really kind of pours his heart into his lyrics. Uh, yeah, that he does, very poignant and uh, kind of like a high watermark for his songwriting. And uh, moving on then, uh, so about that time, you know, the, around the breakup, uh, people were looking for different things to do, some side projects, things like that. And um, Chaz, who had become familiar with Morrissey, um, was asked by Morrissey to be his manager and um, he declined. Uh, I, I can't quite remember the quote, but I bet you know it, Lori. Uh, he said he didn't want to do his laundry or something like that. Yeah, that's exactly what he said. Something about like not wanting to iron his socks or something. 
Yeah, and uh, you know, and, and truth be told, uh, it takes a, a certain type of personality to be a manager in general. And even though you might be familiar with the business, uh, you know, artists aren't often suited for that. So who knows what might have happened if he had been Morrissey's um, manager. But nonetheless, it's cool that they were friends and they collaborated a little bit. Uh, the Morrissey song, You're the One for Me, Fatty, is ru rumored to be about Chaz Smash. I didn't really give any thought to that, right? Because I know, you know we could research this and we'd put that in there and you're the one for me, Fatty. But I went back and I watched the uh, DVD commentary on the old Divine Madness DVD. And there's a few places where he refers to himself as Fatty. So I don't know, is this like, I don't know if this is one of his nicknames or if it's just, he's just being derogatory to himself. But, you know, when I first heard that, I thought, no, that song couldn't be about him. But then as I'm watching these commentaries, now I'm thinking, wow, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I'm going to purely speculate. But, uh, you know, Morrissey's known for sitting around the table and uh, trying to have all these cathartic talks with folks and things like that and the lamentations and, and all of that. And they're both kids with uh, Irish uh, pedigree. So uh, he did then, uh, shortly after, about 1990, he became a record executive for Go Discs. Um, and there you go. Uh, he was looking for that one true thing, and it came uh, when the band reformed. So there we go. Madness reforms in time for Madstock, which is great because they had that festival named Madstock. It only made sense that Madness was going to be the band doing it. <laughs> Well, as I understand it, too, I think that Chaz was instrumental in organizing that entire show. Um, Madstock would not have happened without him. And uh, I understand that Morrissey was on the bill to play uh, that, that show as well. And I would still like to, I'm going to keep mentioning it to you, Polly, until we actually do it, but I would still like to do a podcast episode about that Madstock concert because it was, I, I think, a, a major turning point for, for the band. I, I think so as well. And yes, we probably will get to doing that. Um, if nothing else, just in the first couple of minutes of that, seeing Chaz come on and doing the intro yeah. to One Step Beyond and the unbridled joy, you can read it on him. He was totally down for it. Yeah. Um, and, and one of their best shows, at least one of their best shows captured on video. Well, save it for that episode. Save it, save it for when we do that. <laughs> All right, so um, yeah, so band, the band reformed, right? Shortly after Madstock, but they're always, as is the case with most of the bands, um, number of side projects. So 1999, 2000, that area, um, Chaz had formed a, a band called The Velvet Ghost. 
And a lot of the, these tracks are available online as bootlegs. I don't know if there was ever actually a formal record release. I don't think there was. Uh, a number of the songs that Velvet Ghost did, uh, I guess are kind of like the seeds of songs that would later become uh, madness songs. In particular, uh, there's one song, um, I think it's called Londoninium or something like that, that later became uh, Mark II, MK2 and the Norton Folgate album. So it's kind of neat listening to some of these old Velvet Ghost bootleg recordings. I'm actually going to play one of them, if you don't mind, Polly. This is one that I really like. It's called This Friend I Know. Well, how's it feel? You're top of the pops. 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 You better cry. These days will soon be over This much I know Oh, how I wish That I anything you want to say on that one or should I just keep moving forward no that's actually the first time I've heard it so I wasn't quite prepared for that so all right so then uh 2002 he started his own record label which was uh RGR rolled gold records and that didn't last very long it closed in 2004 one single that this record label was known for there's and this is such a a, a uniquely British thing uh, I, I don't completely understand this, this idea of football anthems, right? Um, so I, I know New Order had recorded a football album at one, uh, football album, football anthem at one point. I mean, I, I, I don't have any equivalency to this. I mean, all I can think of is either like 1985 when the Chicago Bears did the Super Bowl shuffle. <laughs> or I think there was that one year that the Mets were in the... Um, world series that they played they did a song called let's go mets that's probably a, a better analogy because it didn't actually have the mets players singing but yeah so this is like just such a, a weird unique uh th this whole like, concept of a football anthem which you know as you guys know football is soccer and so there was a single release called we're coming over and it was released by mr smash and friends now, uh, we're not playing that as part of the podcast, but uh, certainly go and Google that if you want to give it a listen. Uh, it, it's definitely got that kind of sporting anthem feel to it. Yeah, I, I don't get sports anthems. Um, it's going to be just the cultural divide, I guess, between us and the Brits. Um, sports and legitimate music or artistry just do not mesh yeah. here in the United States. Uh, it's probably, you know, high school. It's the artists and the jocks. 
that just don't get along together. So I don't know. I also don't know anything about sports. So, well, you know, and I was going to say, I think when there are songs over here in America that we associate with sports teams, I don't think that they're usually something that is recorded for that purpose. Like I'm thinking, uh, I'm a huge hockey fan, Chicago Blackhawks. And as Blackhawks fans know, whenever they score a goal, they play um, Chelsea Dagger. They play, um, you know, that and like the whole, the whole crowd, the whole crowd just goes wild, right? But that's not something that was recorded specifically for that. It was repurposed. And, and I know like every, every major sports team, at least hockey, they have like a gold song or something that they play. So anyway, yeah, we kind of went off on a little bit of a tangent there, but I just, <laughs> I, I just think that that's so unusual. Um, so Chaz also has written songs for a number of other artists. Uh, he wrote a song for Fergal Sharkey, which uh, I, I know, Polly, you're a big fan of. And uh, he also wrote for Right Said Fred. Do you remember them, Polly? <laughs> I do all the uh, yeah all the um, you know uh, bald musicians that took their shirts off in videos yeah I don't forget that <laughs> I was gonna say I think you're kind of copying their look aren't you uh, yeah I uh, yeah without the working out thing I guess yeah well you know it's an audio podcast they can't actually see you right yeah I I am the eye candy for the podcast. <laughs> Well, anyway, so um, this is a song that uh, Chaz wrote. Uh, this is Right Said Fred featuring Doris Dubinsky. Now, I couldn't find out. I'm like, who the heck is Doris Dubinsky? Well, actually, I guess she's a German actress. Her name is Anka, Anka Engel. Oh, God, my German is terrible. Anka Engelk. Anka, Anka, Anka Engel. She's a German actress. <laughs> i am so so sorry somebody's gonna write in and, and, and chastise me for that but anyway so this is a song that Chaz wrote it's called uh, the wizard Did you recognize that one, Polly? I didn't know. I don't know that I've ever heard it. No, because uh, Madness did a, a version of The Wizard on Wonderful. Oh. It's the same song. Yeah. It's the same okay, song. Okay, now, now it's coming back to me. Okay. Well, and, and you know, a side note again, you know, Polly, you and I have been talking about what we're going to do for future episodes. And we're going to resume probably within the next month or two the album deep dives. But one of the things that really disappoints me is that the album Wonderful was never released in the US. So I would love to do a deep dive on that one, but if we're keeping with our, our rule of uh, American releases, at least for the foreseeable future, I don't know if we're gonna be able to do one. 
I don't know. I mean, we could always take a cue from madness and just say, you know, that rules are meant to be broken and we could just do whatever we want. All right. And then um, this kind of leads us to his solo career. So uh, um, 2005, his 28-year marriage to Joanna Brown came to an end. Now, they have three children together, Casper, Milo, and Eloise. They're adult children now. Again, speaking of the album, wonderful. Uh, Casper and Milo were in the video for Johnny the Horse. They were two of the, the kids playing in the street. But anyway, so 28-year marriage comes to an end. And I mean, any relationship coming to an end is obviously uh, a trauma. But one that has lasted so long and been so much of a part of your entire life is, uh, is a very, very profound change. He really started pouring his pain and his feelings of loss into lyrics and wrote a lot of songs about his marriage and, and, and the, the end of the relationship. But he didn't record them immediately. He decided he wanted to sit on them for a while. I mean, maybe to kind of let those feelings marinate, I guess, you know, until he was actually comfortable enough to release them. Also, during that time, he started practicing transcendental meditation which uh, yeah, fans of the Beatles would probably know that was, uh, that was their thing for a while, TM. So, you know, 10 years between 2005, the end of his marriage, 2015, when he finally released these songs uh, of love and loss. Um, and the name of the album was called A Comfortable Man. Now, the, the cover, I, it, it looks to me like he was just, he popped down to the the 7-Eleven and grabbed a couple of snacks and somebody took his picture. The cover, <laughs> the cover doesn't, I, I, I don't get what the cover of the solo album is. And, and um, unfortunately was not released in the US. Uh, it is available of course as an import. So um, one of the songs that really moved me on this solo album of his is uh, Do You Believe in Love? So as you listen to this, kind of keep in mind where he was at when he wrote this in his life. And you'll kind of see what I'm talking about of this idea of really kind of pouring his heart into his music. I listen to the bird song every morning And quietly I watch the day begin and every time I hear the birds are calling They ask me if you're coming back again And they ask me why I'm so blue I told them it's just that I'm missing you They ask me what you gonna do I told them I'm just holding out for you Believe in love Like I believe in you Do you believe it's love Like I believe it's you We can run We can hide Had you heard that one before, Polly? Yeah, I, I'd heard the whole album. Uh, it's not something I go back to that often. 
Um, you know, people who've listened to the podcast kind of know what I'm all about with uh, upbeat, med- melody, energy. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he ranges from um, balladeering to folk to uh, a whole myriad of things on the album. Um, it's, it's great. It's, it's perfect for him. It's very grown up. And if you're the type of Madness fan that has grown up truly, you know, and listens to all the music and all the progression, then this is probably right up your alley. I am not one of those grown up type Madness fans. You hit on something though, folk. And, and, and I didn't really think about it the first few times I listened to it, but, you know, dusted off the old albums to, to uh, prepare for this episode. And I really listened, did like a, a deep listen of uh, a comfortable band for the first time, I think really just immersing myself in it and realized, yeah, this is a, a folk album. This, this really is Chaz Smash Ghost Folk. It's a, it's a completely different side of him. And I think it really just kind of shows his range right? That he can go from, you know, something goofy, like, uh, um, don't quote me on that, you know, all the way to, to uh, wearing his heart on his sleeve the way he has here. So um, a very underrated songwriter, I think. And, and uh, on that note, speaking of songwriter, so as is our tradition, when uh, we do a deep dive on a member of the band, Polly, you and I each get to pick our top five songs that the person has either wrote or co-wrote. And so Polly, you put together your top five list for me. And I was actually kind of surprised at your number five because traditionally when we've done this, it's always been a song that the, the person has performed, right? So like we've done Madness, we've done solo stuff, we've done Crunch, right? The songs that the guys have actually performed but that's not the case with your number five. No. So uh, my number five, I did. Uh, I picked Listen to Your Father uh, by Fergal Sharkey. Yeah. So if you're not familiar with Fergal Sharkey, he is an Irish uh, songwriter and musician. He was uh, the lead singer in the band The Undertones, a great early, early uh, Irish punk band. And... Um, yeah, they were uh, they, they were an accomplishment in their own right. Not, you know, not this run of the mill, just you know, local outfit. They were really an up and coming band, and they had a hit single with Teenage Kicks, and just uh, just fantastic group. Uh, they still exist, but without Fiergal. Listen to your father. If you ever have a chance, it's on YouTube. You can find it. It's not that hard. There's two versions of the video. The full version has almost like this little teenage drama, you know, play going on. And it's dopey, it's 80s, it's uh, bad hair and silly clothes, and uh, it's very endearing. But the thing about it is the chorus, it's so Irish, it's uh, unbelievable. They try to make it a pop chorus, but even the delivery is, I bet you never listen to your father. It is, could totally be a drinking song. Um, but I don't know. It's, I don't want to say I like the song based on the merits of the song. I kind of like the whole package. It's kind of silly and dopey. It kind of doesn't work, but then it does work because it doesn't work so much. So anyways, go look at that. Watch the video. 
Um, I think you kind of see what I mean. Should we play the song? Oh, sure. Let's do that. Yeah, and so there you can hear it. Uh, the delivery, the meter on the chorus, I bet you never listened to your father, is totally like an Irish pub song. You know, I admit I'd never heard that before until you put that on your list. So uh, I'll probably never listen to it again, but that's okay. Yeah, it's not that good. <laughs> I, but I definitely, I, I, I get, I hear Chaz's, um, his, his songwriting style in there very clearly. So Lori, what's your number five? All right. Well, this one might not be known to a lot of American listeners. In the, the mid 80s, I guess the band kind of started to pick up a bit of a following in Japan. Uh, they kind of picked up on the, the whole nutty sound over there. And um, Honda wanted Madness to do uh, some commercials for, for Japanese car commercials over there uh for honda and initially i think they wanted them to use the song driving in my car but the band said no we're gonna write a song specifically for this ad and i think it's a really really catchy song so um this is called in the city now as i was preparing for this episode i mean i i've heard this song so many times I, you know i've got i know it well but i actually went and i looked at the credits and so this is credited the writing credit graham mcpherson which is suggs Mike Barson, Carl Smith, Chris Foreman. And then there was two other names there that I didn't recognize. Bill Crutchfield, which turns out he is the CEO of Crutchfield Corporation, which is a car stereo manufacturer. And then, and my Japanese is just as bad as my German, Daisuke Inui. And I'm like, why do I know that name? And I looked it up. That's the guy that invented the karaoke machine. I'm a total, total karaoke fiend for those of you who don't know me in real life. So I thought that was interesting that those two names were inserted in there and given a writing credit for this song that was written for a Japanese Honda ad. Um, but hey, enough about that. Let's listen to it.
you think of that one, Polly? Yeah, I do like it. It's definitely got that commercial feel, doesn't it? Car commercial, that is. Yeah. E even though it was written for a car commercial, though, I mean, I think it, it it's very good as a standalone. I mean, I like it. You know, like I live in a city, right? You know, the whole idea, you know, uh, um, dressed the same, he's uniformly pretty. I mean, I I just think it, it, it's, it's a catchy song and a catchy lyric, you know? And I wish that that had had like maybe some kind of album release. Huh, I don't know. Um, okay, so that brings us to number four. That was my number five. So we're on number four. Polly, what's your number four Carl Smith written song? Okay, so it is one that he um, wrote with um, Barson. It is Tomorrow's Just Another Day. Very familiar to Madness fans. So rather than talk about it too much, just, let's just take a listen. there it was tomorrow's just another day and for those madness fans uh in the u.s uh we did have that released on the madness uh sort of compilation sort of u.s release and so it's familiar to everybody i like it it's uh sort of in the middle between that upbeat and sort of balladeering type of song but uh very very solid classic madness song Lori, what's your thoughts on it Oh, you know, I, I like it. It's it's artistically very, very strong song. And, and it's really stood the test of time, too. You know, some of their stuff sounds very dated. Uh, this is one that doesn't, I don't think. I think it's, um, and, and again, you know, we, we have that kind of melancholy, you know, um, sad undertone that we've, we've talked about on many, many other songs. So uh, good choice. Very good choice. All right. So, Laurie, what's your number four? All right. Well, my number four, uh, and of course, uh, this is where all the boys, uh, the, the admin team on Mad Chat on Facebook, they're all going to laugh because they know I love this song so much. This is from the 1999 album Wonderful. This is The Communicator.
I adore that song. I love that song. And it's it, it's catchy. It makes me want to get up and dance. But I love the the fact that it's kind of a um, back and forth between Suggs and uh, and Chad Smash, right? One line, then the other, you know, um, unconditional love, nothing but reconciliation. It happens, right? I mean, just kind of the back and forth. Um, and I think that those are some of my favorite songs is where we have both both singers and, and both gentlemen also co-wrote the song incidentally, but where we have both of them that are actively involved um, in the song. Do you like that one, Polly? I do, it's a fantastic song. And for the reasons uh, you said, it's upbeat, danceable. Um, it's, it's great, somebody should use it as a segment for a podcast. You think? I think so. All right. All right, so then we get to our number three. And Polly, um, I rearranged my top three considerably because the, the songs that you've been picking also, I think would have been some of my top songs. So your top three would have been one of my top choices as well. Do you want to introduce your number three? Okay, so um, my number three is Michael Caine. And again, another song we've talked about an awful lot on the podcast. Uh, so let's not do any more of that. Let's just take a listen. go first talk a little bit about Michael Caine well you know again as you said we really kind of talked about it quite a bit especially in our episode about the album keep moving but uh so this was a song that was co-written by uh Carl Smith aka Chaz Smash and Woody Woodgate and Chaz is singing and I really love most of the songs that Chaz is singing on I really love his his voice his baritone it's gorgeous I could listen to it all day your turn. <laughs> <laughs> sure. So uh, anybody really, really wants to know about it. I, um, you know, we've talked about it a bunch, but uh, I do love uh, this attempt at storytelling, but still very vague and mysterious. Um, you know, really elusive. Doesn't really get right at it. Um, and that adds a lot to it. If you know the background of the song, um, you know, the mysteriousness of it, I kind of help, I really think helps deliver it. Um, Lori, what's your number three? Well, my number three, we've talked about this one a lot too. Um, Co-written by Suggs with Mr. Smash. Wings of a Dove, sometimes called Wings of a Dove, a celebratory song.
I feel like that we've talked about this one so much, you know, that there, there's not much more that we can add to it. Yes. You know, we have the steel drums, we have the gospel choir. Um, I I'll tell you, I listened to this song. It seems like it's been such a long time now, but, uh, anytime I have to fly anywhere, I I'm a nervous flyer, not because of flying. I have no problem with flying itself. I don't like being with other people. I'm agoraphobic. <laughs> so this song, especially when, when, you know, the doors are sealed and we're taking off, this is the song that I listen to on my headphones and it just puts me in a good mood for the rest of the flight. Well, there you go. And I'm glad you've got that for that reason. Um, I can add one barely new thing uh, that we haven't talked about with Wings of a Dove, which is that uh, for the longest time before reading any liner notes or anything like that, um, I just assumed it was a cover. I could oh. not put I could not put uh, in that era that a song that was so um, different from what they would do normally uh, could have been by them. And also the you know the sound uh, you know musically and uh, the you know the chorale sort of uh, you know background singing uh, just it made me think it must have been a very old song. Oh. And there you go. All Shows right. what I know. All right, so uh, number two picks. Um, I just wanted to go and find the longest song that Chaz had written on. So I picked the Liberty, <laughs> I picked the Liberty of Norton Fulgate. Um, and uh, like you said, save something for later. Uh, we're going to do a Norton Fulgate episode sooner or later. And that'll be a long one because I probably can talk more about that just as a fanboy. Yeah. Um, than probably anything they've ever done. But uh, Liberty of Norton Fulgate, multi-layered. Um, it's a suite, really, if you think about it. Um, and so there you go. Why don't we take a listen or I'll just keep talking. Right. 
so when we were preparing this episode, Polly, because uh, Liberty of Norton Fulgate is like 10 plus minutes long, which obviously we can't play the whole thing on this, uh, this podcast. We had to play a portion of it. And so I had emailed you and I'd asked you, what portion of it do you want me to highlight? And you chose this particular portion about the immigrants. Uh, any particular reason for that? Or just you think it was just particularly strong? I, I just love the transition to that part of the song um, where it's, uh, it goes into what I would consider like a full on sort of gypsy belly dancing sort of number, which if I can get the same place where Madness is playing uh, that section of the Norton Fulgate song ever, if they ever do it again, I will totally do full on belly dancing. Oh, well then I'll do it with you because you know, I used to take belly dance lessons. Oh, really? I did. Yes. For, for, for quite a long time, actually. I, I don't do, I don't do gyms. I don't do fitness. So, um, but yeah, I had a lot of fun with, uh, with belly dance classes, learning a lot about, you know, like Middle Eastern Arabic music, stuff like that. So yeah, we'll belly dance together. I'll bring my, sure. uh, I'll, I'll bring my hip scarf. We'll do some hip shimmies and some shoulder shimmies. Yeah. Great. I, I tend to I, I tend to shimmy a lot uh, longer after I've stopped dancing. It just continues <laughs> on. Um, yeah, I'm sure that's going to get the band to do it now that there's some incentive. There you go. So I'm glad that you picked the portion of the song that you did. I want to play one little tiny snippet of a different portion of the song. Let me let me play this real quick. So this is listen to Chaz's uh, spoken word here. What's that? Danlino and the Limehouse Golem. Ooh. <laughs> I, so <laughs> I don't I don't know. I, I think that is Welsh. I have trouble um, distinguishing between Welsh and Gaelic, but I think that's Welsh, not Gaelic. But just his voice and that part. I'll, yeah. uh, I'll be in my bunk. Okay, sure. <laughs> take, take a minute if you need. I, I've got it for you. Yeah, I didn't know if that was some sort of incantation uh, because it's it's about the section right about the Limehouse Golem or something like that. And yeah. I know with the Golem, there's some form of, um, you know, you've got to animate this, uh, this, you know, this body somehow. So I didn't know if that was uh, some, you know, somebody please write in or email us uh yeah tell us what's uh what's what's up with that section tell us tell us the incantation to animate a golem please yes, write please in. i've got one in my backyard that's just kind of laying around there i gotta but, do something with it you know what no it's interesting though that you should mention that because one of the things that i had come across in my reading is that uh chess smash has been a member of the freemasons since Ooh, like yeah, uh, since right. the 90s so um there might be some kind of underlying esoteric meaning there that never really occurred to me. I was just caught up on the voice. That, okay. man, that man has got a sexy voice. Oh my. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we've got to come back for our stateside madness after dark podcast. <laughs> nice. Sh uh, um, shall we move on then? Yeah, let's please. <laughs> I think you're blushing a little bit, Polly. It's true. Yeah. All right. So my number two pick, I, I had to, I know that this might be cliche, 
But this is the first song that I ever heard by Madness. This is the song that made me fall in love with the band in 1982, uh, co-written by Mr. Smash and by Chris Foreman. This is our house. Sighing in her sleep Brothers got a date to keep You can't hang around Again, I, I, I don't know that there's much more that we can say about that, except that there is now a new American compilation album coming out March 12th called Our House. And this is the first track on the album. Little plug uh, there. Yeah, a little plug is right. Yes. Um, our friends at BMG were kind enough to give us some copies. And um, in the very near future, if you continue to check out uh, us on Facebook and Twitter and our website, uh, we will be doing giveaways. Um, so tell everyone you know uh, and get ready for that. Look for it very, very soon. Yes, we have uh, CD and vinyl for all you weirdos that still insist on using uh, uh, vinyl LPs. You oh, know. come on. You know who you are. <laughs> I know who I, I know who I am. I'm, I'm all digital, man. I'm a digital gal. I, 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 I did the LPs back in the 70s and 80s, and I don't miss it. But hey, more power I, to those of you that are into it. Good for you, you hipsters. Thank you. Good recovery. Uh, yeah, so Our House, um, yeah, what can't be said about it? Um, you know, we're all quite familiar with it. Um, I, ha I have done a little bit of uh, snooping around online and uh, the reaction videos. I'm sure everybody knows what that is by now. I think it's actually quite pointless most of the time. But um, it is kind of cool seeing people who at least claim to be listening to Our House for the first time. Uh, because it's undeniably catchy and uh, people who are into a myriad of genres can all find something in the song. Well, and, and I really think it's unfortunate because I think most Americans don't know who Madness are. And uh, every semester, my classes, somehow I, I work Madness into a lecture. You know, it might just be like in one of my, because um, I teach computer classes, you know, where we might be learning about arrays and we might have an array with seven elements in it and they're the names of the seven band members and stuff. And my students are always like, what's madness? What's madness? And then I start singing our house in the middle of our street and they all go, oh, we know that song. I mean, that, that's the song that I think my three-year-old niece knows. Everybody knows that song. All right. So yeah, our house, I, I, I picked our house as my number two. So that leads us to our number one choices, written or co-written by Carl Smith. Polly, I love your number one. Okay, well, and, uh, and who wouldn't really? Uh, so my number one is 
another composition by Chaz Smash and Barson. It is Victoria Gardens. So that was Victoria Garden, sometimes referred to as the best non-single Madness song, and with good reason. Uh, it's very, very poppy and radio-friendly, and uh, it would have made a fantastic single. So you know, yeah. hindsight's twenty. Hindsight's twenty twenty, and of yeah. course, uh, features our two favorite friends from the English beat or the beat depending on where you're listening to this. Uh, that would be Dave Wakeling and Ranking Roger uh, providing the backup, sort of not backup vocals, sort of co-lead vocals. <coughs> General public. <coughs> <laughs> so, uh, <clears throat> Lori, what's your yes. take on Victoria Gardens? Oh, you know, I, I adore it. Um, and I think I've mentioned in previous uh, episodes, um, there's like three or four different mixes of it. And um, some of the mixes, I think that, that Lee's saxophone is kind of, kind of retreats into the background. And then there's one mix, and I think it's the mix that's on the, um, the import compilation, The Business, I think is my favorite mix. But the, the chorus is just so, um, so cheery and upbeat, right? Looking and listening and hoping that things are changing for the better. And that's the greatest song, I think, for 2021, right? We all got to hope that things are changing for the better. I wouldn't disagree with you there. Um, Lori. Yeah. So we, we <clears throat> thankfully, we're, we live in different time zones. Yeah. We, we could have uh, done a cage match fight for your pick for number one, because I, I had it on my list at some you point. You, and you were so nice. You were so nice about allowing me certain things that, that <laughs> uh, we, just, we decided you could have this one. Uh, what's your number one? All right. So my number one is also from the album Wonderful again, which was not released in the United States. Um, and this was written solely by Chaz Smash. This is Johnny the Horse. But he started out standing on corners and talking out loud. Too loud. You see, you couldn't believe in himself or the world or anything he heard. Yeah. 
wife and child started out walking. They never looked back. There was too much pain between Glasgow and London. One hot summer, he forgot his name. Can you remember his name? So I was uh, doing a little bit of digging to kind of find out what this song was actually about. And um, Carl had said that at one time there was a street person that used to hang around at the end of his street. Actually, there were two. There was, there was this unnamed street person and then some guy named Dempsey. And then I guess one night Chaz came home and Dempsey was out front crying, saying that his mate had been kicked to death in a vacant house. And so that's where I think this idea, um, you know, he was kicked to death, he died for entertainment, which is the, the beginning of the song. I think maybe that's where that came from. It's again, it's a, you mentioned earlier Irish drinking songs, right? I mean, that's exactly what this is, you know, the, the, the chorus and everything. And um, it, it's, it, it's just, it, it's a, a song that gets inside my head and just won't, won't let out, you know? What do you, you, you like this one too, Polly. So I know I had to fight you for it. What, uh, what do you think of Johnny the horse? Uh, well, uh, as I continue to say, I just, I do love um, a nice cohesive storytelling that makes its way through uh, the entirety of a song mm -hmm. uh, without just repeating verse after verse or something like that. So um, in that respect, uh, I think it's real complete uh, song. And um, the chorus does have a real strong melody, which is another thing I kind of repeat over and over again. So yeah, it's just got a lot going for it that just uh, is uniquely, no, I wouldn't say uniquely, that sounds kind of obnoxious, but uh, kind of tailored for uh, what I like in the song. Well, the video too, I think the video is great i love the video so our, our listeners if you have the opportunity google johnny the horse look at the video um and it's interesting if you look very closely in the video uh, lee thompson has a black eye and apparently right before they shot the video he and uh carl got into a fist fight and so that's why he has a black eye and this kind of i guess leads us to um the next subject, which is uh, that Carl is no longer a member of Madness. So uh, in 2014, uh, he announced that he was leaving Madness, uh, supposedly to focus on his solo work. I guess they kind of left it open to whether or not he was going to come back from the band. Of course, there have been some rumors that there's been a lot of fighting and bad blood between the members of the band. Um, I don't know what's, what's true and what's not. Um, he was not on the last... Last album or was it the last two albums? I think he was not on the last two albums. Isn't that right, Polly? Uh, so it would have been Wee Wee, See See, Yeah, ya, da, da. Uh, He uh -huh. was on that. Okay. And so, he, so it's Can't. He, he wasn't on yeah. Can't Touch Us Now, right? No, he wasn't. Yeah. And unfortunately, I think his his absence is really felt in that album. You know, I, I it it does not feel like madness to me without without Chaz Smash. So I hope that, I hope that whatever is going on, I hope eventually that everyone can reconcile and that we can get Chaz back where he belongs. I mean, cause he really is, is one of the seven. 
so I, I guess they kind of left it open-ended whether or not he might or might not come back to the band and and uh, members have left the band before right we we talked in an earlier episode mike barson left for many years and then came back betters left for a period of time uh he was um replaced on bass by um what's his name bush i can't think of the first name his last name was bush um it's so that's that's the nature of madness i think and i mean you think about these seven guys that pretty much have been together since their teens right and they gotta be they're all in their 60s now so that's a long time i think to to be linked to somebody and so there's going to be times where one member or another member you know has to go off and strike out on their own for a while so uh, I personally am hopeful that Chaz will come back because it does not feel that, like the same band without him. Um, of course, that's not my decision. Um, then the other thing I guess worth mentioning is that he had had a, a, a bout with cancer in uh, 2017. He had posted on his Facebook um, this January, I had a cancerous tumor removed from my daft old head. And in late March began six weeks of radiotherapy. Today, I got the all clear. So he doesn't specifically say what kind of cancer. I don't know if it's brain cancer or some other kind, you know, the head, I guess that kind of limits it a little bit, but uh, it sounds like he is now cancer free for which we are all thankful. We hope he's going to be with, with us for many, many more years. Uh, of course, we're we're glad that he's he's with us and uh, healthy. And uh, yeah, uh, of course, we'd like to see him back with the band. Yeah. Um, you know, and t time has a funny way of uh, removing you know those opportunities for you. So I don't want to say you know hurry hurry up and get to it, but you know uh, he's sometimes these opportunities are over before you realize it and we'd love to see it happen as soon as possible yeah and, and there's there's six other personalities involved too though that would have to get on board for that so yeah so uh, you have polly uh you have some alternate facts about Chaz smash do you not that's true um i had so much fun doing it for sugs and i still think i'm super super clever so i wanted to try it again for our franchise smash. All right, so here we go with our segment. Don't quote me on that. Mr. Smash has a special gland that secretes orange Tic Tacs. I love them, how about you, Lori? Chaz has an American cousin, Hulk Smash. As a suave young man, Chaz had a move to pick up women called the Michael Kane. And he also had one to extract himself the next morning called the Solid Gone. Chaz wants Lady and the Tramp a scone with Dame Judy Dench. 
Chaz made me promise not to tell that they're growing weed on the roof of Buckingham Palace. Oh, I think I might have messed that up. One time, Chaz tried to do us all a favor, and he told Morrissey to cheer the fuck up. Chaz Smash is responsible for pirates saying, ARG, rather than gentle dove-like cooing, which was their first idea. And as it turns out, Chaz Smash has tears that he can hide. And that's it. That's all about. Get you to an open mic night or something, Polly. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, all right. So that leads us to the end of this episode. Um, we are already working on our next episode. We actually have somebody close to the band who's going to be um coming to talk with us for our next episode. Do we want to tell them who it is or do we want to keep it a secret, Polly? Let's keep it a secret, and let's just say that we're we're committed to, uh, as best we can, uh, do more of interviewing people uh, with association to the band. But uh, so I'm excited about that episode, though. That one's going to be really cool. Um, so I'm going to close this episode. Polly, let me choose the the closing track, and I pulled one off of um, "A Comfortable Man" by Carl Smith. The song I chose is "You're Not Alone." And um, it is a, a very kind of melancholy song, but as I'm listening to this, you know, at night, I'm thinking, I'm thinking about, you know, the, the pandemic, right? We're coming up on a year and it's really been a hard year for a lot of people. And, uh, you know, I know people who are out of work. I know people who've gotten sick, who've lost loved ones. And I really thought that this would be an appropriate song to just let everybody know, hang in there. All right, you guys, you're not alone. So on that somber note, it's a goodbye for me. And a goodbye for me. Thanks for listening. Go get a beer, Stateside Madness. Until you
Alone. 